You are listening to Episode 7 of Daughters on Fire. In today's episode, I interview Katherine Pfeiffer from the Happy Love Project. She's a psychotherapist turned educator and podcaster, and she specializes in relationships. And she's going to talk to us about how to navigate relationships during a crisis and disruption. So it's great tips for caregivers and anyone else that's dealing with this crisis called Corona. Stay tuned. Are you stressed, burned out, and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent? If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. All right, and welcome back to Daughters on Fire. Today, I am very excited to be interviewing Katherine Pfeiffer from the Happy Love Project. Um, She is a friend and a fantastic psychotherapist who has turned into an educator, podcaster, relationship, and empowerment coach, and she is dedicated now to helping people find, create, and maintain their dream lives and cultivate the most amazing love and careers of their life. So I'm so excited that you're here, Catherine, Um, and we're going to talk about caregiving and love and how the two worlds can sometimes collide. So uh, recently I've realized that my my intros just go on way, way too long and that really people want to hear from you. So I'm going to stop and I'm going to welcome you and please fill in the blanks and tell us more about yourself, Catherine. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to be here today and um, just it's just a privilege. So I'm really excited. So I am a uh, empowerment and relationship coach and also an educator, a podcaster uh, of um, the podcast, The Happy Love Project. And um, I predominantly work with women, although I, I'm I do work with men too. Um, And it's all about living your best life and how to do that. Because sometimes we don't know how to live our best lives. Sometimes the world and all of the things that impact us end up getting in the way. And so my job is to really help people figure out what, what do we need to cut out? What do we need to bring in more of and um, how can we do that in a fun and in a more inspiring way. So that is awesome. I am so excited that you're here and you're here right now because if there was ever a time where life in crisis could get in the way of our love (laughs) and and our relationships, it's right now. We are, um, this is, I was about to say March, but it's not, we are, we're in April um, of 2020 and um, still in the middle of the upside down project, if you will, of life in um, the wake of coronavirus. And, but you know, what's interesting for caregivers is that this doesn't happen globally um, to them. This happens individually where they go through crisis and disruption. And I'd love your take um, on how one right now for all of us, what you're hearing from clients from, from people out there, how, uh, coronavirus is impacting their relationships and how um, we can better manage love during a crisis. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, Loaded. Well, 
<laughs> so um, what I'm hearing from and what I'm feeling from the world is that this is a very stressful time. You know, this is a very overwhelming time, a very uh, anxious and anxiety provoking time um, throughout the entire globe. I mean, energetically, whew, so much going on. And and this crisis has been going on for a while for us, and it doesn't seem to have a clear ending. And so what I'm seeing is a lot more stress, a lot more falling into unhealthy coping mechanisms, a lot of fighting, a lot of, a lot of just irritability, tension, uh, anger, confusion, listlessness, some mm-hmm. depression, some, you know, some, some significant depression because of the isolation, some depression because of the anxiety of what's going to happen next. Um, and then the fears around money, the fears around mm-hmm. actually getting the virus. Um, wow, it's just so, it's just very heavy. It's a lot to hold. It's a lot to carry every day. And we all are doing it. I mean, even going to the grocery store is a big deal right now. And that is very different than it was a month and a half ago, right? It's different than it was like a week ago. I, I mean, my behaviors are changing on a week-to-week basis. What what seemed like ridiculous um, two weeks ago is now commonplace today. And it's not like, oh, I should have been thinking differently then. No, it's just like I we've all evolved with the rapidness, rapid pace of this process. Yeah, I mean, who sprayed down their groceries before? Right. I never, like, even thought of of doing that. And now we have a process of my husband goes to the grocery store. He comes in, drops off the bags, and then we go through everything and clean it off with a spray because of anxiety, fear, worry, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to the grocery store because I have pre-existing conditions that – you know, make me a little bit worried about catching the virus. And so we're really hyper sensitive to Mm -hmm. what's happening in the world. And that causes so much, just so much stress and so much internal, um, uh, just, just internal. uh. (laughs) I know that's not a clinical term at all, but (laughs) well, Um, it's it's a term I think we can all understand. Yes. Yes. And so, and the thing is, is, you know, when we're in, when, when we're in a period of crisis and we're in a prolonged period of crisis that can really affect our relationships, that can really affect our bodies, that can really affect ourselves. And so what do you do when you're in that kind of prolonged crisis? How do you handle that? What do you do about that, right? And I think that's your question. And, um, you know, for caregivers who are in kind of that prolonged crisis, this is just an, an added layer to it. And gosh, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That, it, it's, um, it's interesting because the feedback I'm getting, some people feel – strangely normalized in this that they aren't so disenfranchised or alienated that like everybody is going through it and then others are feeling like I can't deal with one more thing uh, you know please <laughs> you know what what more can possibly 
be um, put on my plate. And I think um, awareness and perspective really, really helps. There's, and, and this is why I appreciate you being on um, as a fellow psychotherapist, understanding human dynamics to be able to parse through the coping mechanisms and the personality and behaviors and the relationship dynamics to know, to be able to point to people and say, okay, you know, you're, you're, you're nitpicking each other right now. And, um, and so let's look at this, what's causing this, this is coming from stress, not because you don't love each other. So what, what are you seeing or tips that you would give to people? So tips that I would give to people are just to come back to you as much as you possibly can come back to your own self-care. I'm actually starting a self-care challenge just because of this whole thing, because what I'm seeing is that people are, like I said earlier, just finding, they're finding ways to cope, but they're not always the healthiest ways to cope. And so, you know, I've on, on social media, I see pictures of friends or clients who have gone to the store and bought themselves 20 bottles of wine, mm. you know, and, you know, are, are talking about how, you know, they're, they're not able to exercise or they're not able to do the things that they normally do. And while it can be nice to indulge a bit in foods that are kind of a little, are on the indulgent side or alcoholic beverages on the indulgent side, that, that can be lovely and in the right place, it can be okay. But when you do that every single day, then your body just can't handle it. And so then you feel like crap. And then that adds on to irritability and stress, right? Like you're dealing with the feelings in, in the moment of like, I'm not feeling bad right now because <laughs> I've numbed it out. Right. <laughs> and then, which don't get me wrong. There is a place for that. But right. if you're doing that all of the time, then that ends up being just this you have a larger, a higher, bigger mountain to climb when you're ready to not be doing those things. So what I'm recommending to people is to really come back to your self-care and what does that mean? And self-care is not just going and take a, taking a bubble bath, although that can be amazing and lovely. And I highly recommend doing things with water for self-care. Mm. Yeah, I did see where you love lavender bubble baths, Catherine. Yes, <laughs> lavender, you know, bubble baths, Epsom salts. That's, yes. That is my place every day. Yes. <laughs> and that's my self-care is that that's where I find that I'm able to rejuvenate is I like candles. I've got my incense or my, not my incense, but my Palo Santo or my uh, sage. And I've got the whole, I've got a whole, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> yes, but you, you know, need to give me or let me know what your uh, recipe for a serene bubble bath is. I'm sure people would love to hear that. <laughs> <clears throat> yes. Oh, it's just, it's so easy. It's just bubble bath and lavender essential oils. I like doTERRA mm. and uh, it's just, uh, you know, no lights or dim the lights, mm. get some candles and really make it a practice and make it a ritual. You know, sometimes I bring my phone with me. Sometimes I don't. Um, I put in a stereo little speaker in our bathroom, which was a little odd because it's next to the sink, but it's nice to listen to music when you're in the bathtub. So being able to play music on your phone or yeah. whatever can be really lovely, take you out of the world and then the hot water changes your body composition. It changes, you know, it changes the temperature in your body. And so then you 
you know, on a very physical level are changing the way things are happening and then you're relaxing and then you come out of the bathroom in such a different state and it's lovely. But besides baths, um, you know, just kind of the regular self-care things like cleaning your house or making a really good meal or getting outside and getting some sun on your skin, you know, if you're able to do that, you know, wherever you are, if you're able to leave your house. Those kinds of things are really, really important right now in order to come back to you. I love that. And I have a kind of a self-disclosure confession to make. Um, So I normally go to the store at a time when alcohol is not available early on Sundays. And so I don't usually buy alcohol. But the other day, um, because I was trying to get something that was out at my store, I was at a store. that sold wine and and I got myself a Boda box, right? So that's not just one bottle of wine. So that lasts me. And like the rest of the world, I mean, liquor stores are open. I guess they're essential. And I thought that was kind of funny, but at first, but it really makes sense because people can't, people do use that as a coping mechanism. It does take the edge off and it numbs, like you said, it numbs. And in a time of like all this collective anxiety, there's probably a, a place for that to some extent. Otherwise, we'd be flooding doctor's offices for, hey, can you call me in some Xanax, right? Right. <laughs> because the anxiety is, is there. So to some extent, having a glass of wine right now as a, as a simple coping mechanism probably isn't the worst thing in the world. But you bring up a good point, and I'm even dealing with this. When you have it available to you and you have the anxiety and you're not working on other healthy um, ways to cope that your body will react to in a, you know more positively, then the, the consequences start to add up. So I say a lot that my body is turning slowly into a Puritan because it just doesn't like you know, some <laughs> of the bad behavior of of that I used to and and drinking is one of those um like I can I I used to enjoy a glass of wine and in in a lot of places you know they say a glass of wine a night is not bad for you my body does not like me having a glass of white a glass of wine every single night but with the Boda box here and maybe I should be investing in higher quality wine I don't know I like the Boda box but I've had it and I just said to my husband the other night I said don't let me drink it like a glass every night because I'm starting to feel it. It's like, so now I, 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 I'm realizing that the body is not as forgiving. It is numbing the anxiety after a glass. It helps me to stop thinking about the coronavirus for a minute and just be mindful of my red wine and my little nice dark chocolate and yeah. what, whatever place. I, but that can't be a long-term um, go-to that can't be the healthiest for me and and so I need to look to other other ways and healthier ways to cope um, because my body is not as forgiving that my body is saying no don't do that so I love your the, the project you're calling it the self-care project it's the self-care challenge the and self-care challenge I love yes. that I'm going to link to your website in the show notes and encourage anybody any caregiver is it going to be available just like for a certain time frame or can people jump on whenever? I'm going to, I'm going to do it once and then see if there's a 
if there's a lot of interest to do it again, I'll do it again. Um, it's going to start soon. I'll start maybe at the end of next week or the beginning of the following week. So okay, um, so April. so we're going to have to get your podcast out there. <laughs> yeah. So, but I would I would love people to join and um, and I will put a little um, I'll put a link on my on my uh, front page for people mm-hmm. to be able to join whatever that homepage the yes. homepage okay good. Um, yeah but um yeah it's going to be all about you know just picking and choosing what's working for you and and then documenting it in some way and there'll be mm-hmm. some fun prizes that will be included as well from my own business so that people can like get a little bit more of a taste of what I am providing in the world mm-hmm. um and it's kind of an easy way for me to gift people with things that I already have. Yeah. Well, I love, sometimes our coping mechanisms are also just about routine and habit and it's just what we do. Sometimes we need some ideas and we need um, some someone to offer us some creativity yeah. and a challenge is a perfect time to say, you know, um, yeah, the wine, don't beat yourself up. Give yourself some grace if you're drinking right. some, some wine right now. But get creative. Get creative and do something like this challenge. Yes. And, you know, the thing I love about things like this is there's an accountability piece if you buy into it. And the accountability piece, I think, is what's so important. Mm-hmm. There's nothing new that I have going on with this challenge. The, the piece of it is the actually doing it. Mm-hmm. And then the accountability of documenting it in order to to kind of remember, oh, these are the things that are good for me to, to just be. And I feel better when I do these things. I feel more like myself. And I, I hate cleaning my house. Absolutely hate it. But let me tell you, I feel so good. Even when I just dust and it, all the dust is gone, it just energetically feels so much better mm-hmm. and you know that's a crappy self-care thing to have to do but it's it's important and it's valuable and so yeah what you you're know. doing it to accomplish is the goal right yeah, yeah 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 and you know right now when we're dealing and coping with so much stress it's easy to fall back on things that just make us feel good but in the long run, so I mean, how back to that whole wine thing or eating, even eating dark chocolate or any kind of chocolate, how easy is it? Or ordering food too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, eating you go down the right yes. Now. How easy is it to do those things? You know, like um, I was, I'm not currently, I'm not drinking because of a lot of reasons, but mostly health reasons. But how easy was it to, pour a glass of white wine and sit down and just instantly felt felt feeling better. I, you know, there wasn't a huge amount of work that went into that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was just kind of like a golden magical thing, you know, and, but you know, it, there, there is a bit about recognizing whether or not I'm like you and I, it, it can cause more harm than good for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, so it sounds like what you're saying is that one of the keys to happy love is happy self-love first, is to make sure that you're nurtured, I'm sure, because then you can give love from a place of self-love. Yes, yes. You are able to give so much, much more to all of the people in your life and all of the people in your world if you're able to take care of you first. And, you know, I mean that's easier said than done 
but it's really, really important. And you come, you come at your relationships in a, a much um, more stable and grounded place when you're actively working on your self-care and your self-love. That's awesome. So what are some relationship tips um, that, well, let me back up. What are some relationship pitfalls that you notice couples doing when they're in a crisis and they're feeling very vulnerable and disrupted? Oh, pitfalls. I would say probably not communicating very clearly mm-hmm. or very well. <laughs> you know, uh, gosh, it's so easy, especially in an intimate relationship to uh, expect that the other person can just read your mind, yes. you know, and expect yeah. that the other person is just going to get you know, what is going on or get what's happening for you. And generally speaking, they don't. I mean, we could have some pretty incredibly intuitive partners that still just can't figure it out, you know, because they're not you and they can't read your mind. Um, So I would say one of the pitfalls is the communication piece. One of the pitfalls is probably uh, taking your anger out on them because it's Mm -hmm. easy, you know, it's so easy to lash out at the people that are around you and that love you the most and especially if they love you so deeply and you know that love isn't going to go away then it's a little easy to to kind of lash out when you're angry or frustrated or irritable and that can be a real pitfall because then that relationship can be damaged along the way um other pitfalls um I'll have to keep thinking. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you a question real quick while you're, while you're thinking on that. Do you find that when people are in a crisis, they tend to get blinders on and have a lack of self-awareness as to one, why they're doing something or actually how it's harming those around them? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it makes sense if you're so focused on the crisis, <laughs> you yes. know, yeah. you're so focused, you're just so focused on what's happening. It's really hard to see anything else. And so, um, you can get kind of blindsided or if you're so stuck in the emotions of it, you know, the emotions of that crisis, it can be really hard to see anything else or really understand anything else. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. So with those pitfalls, how do you help people um, cope with that or come out of that? So, you know, a few things that I recommend is when you, the big thing I think is communication and communicating from a place of clarity, communicating from a place of love, um, communicating from a place that is, uh, you know, we talk in therapy about, being assertive and not aggressive or passive aggressive or passive, you know, Yeah. gosh, <laughs> all know. those things. Yes. I spent 10 years um, working with teenagers in a crisis stabilization mm-hmm. setting. And I, that's all we talked about <laughs> for the self-love and self-care and communication because, yeah. you know, there's something to be said about that communication piece where you're getting clear about what's happening for you and communicating in a way that the other person can hear you is really big. And so one of the things I'm recommending to everyone right now is to be extremely clear 
every day about what's happening in the day, um, being extremely clear about whose responsibility is it to do this or whose mm. responsibility is it to do that. You know, and some things are going to always be assumed, but some things need clarity, um, especially if there's kids involved, especially if there's aging parents involved, um, and you're in the middle of coordinating and figuring out where everything is, how everything is happening, uh, I really recommend that clarity and that with everyone, not just with an intimate partner, but with your kids and with your aging parents, being really clear about what's happening um, on a daily basis. I would think like a daily, um, <laughs> a daily staff meeting. Would be yes. <laughs> That, I love that because it kind of takes the emotion out of it, right? Right. <laughs> what about like, because um, with families, live like having to quarantine together, you know, work for a moment, all that, that space and having that private, you know, it used to be maybe that people could get away in their car and their commute and they could decompress <laughs> that way. Or if dad was gone all day, mom could, you know, um, for those moms that were at home, they had the house to themselves, but even working moms, again, they had the same quiet commute and stuff, and now everybody's on top of each other. So what about communicating the need for boundaries and space? Yeah, I think that's really important, and figuring out how that's going to work in your day is really important, too, because if you have little kids, there's no way that both of you can go off and do your own things at the same time, and so being really clear about how that's going to work is really important, and not always easy to do, um, but maybe there's someone in the family that likes to wake up early and can have that space in the morning. That's what's happening in our house is, when my husband is home, he's an essential worker, so he's not home all the time. But when he is home, he's waking up early and having a lovely couple of hours to himself. And I'm super excited to sleep in. And then we're tackling the day in whatever way that we're tackling it, depending on the day and who's in charge of homeschooling, what business things I've got going on, who's going to the, he's going to the grocery store, where's the list, because I'm in charge of that, you know, those kinds of things. And then that's our day. And then I have some time in the evening to myself, you know, in my bubble bath and mm -hmm. all of that. And that, that is working well for us. But when, you know, earlier in our relationship, there was none of that. And it was really overwhelming and stressful and caused a lot of a lot of fights. <laughs> so coordination and collaboration, like really planning yes. together. Yeah. Yes. And being on the same team, I mean, that can be really challenging in a, in a crisis as well as just saying, hey, we're on the same team here. You know, we are, yeah. we're, we're in this together and how can we best support each other? And so essentially that we like being around each other, you know, because you like being around people who are happier. <laughs> Um, you know, um, so with the coronavirus, there is there is no choice. So we're all in this together. You know, I know that's like a hashtag all together, all in this together. Um, but in a in a caregiving crisis, it can feel like you're not. And I've heard this term before, and I've seen it with my own clients. It's like um, it's my mom or my marriage. You know, my my loved one feels like I'm I'm prioritizing or choosing my who I'm caring for as a priority to our relationship 
and it's starting to really impact the relationship. Do you have any advice for what to tune into if somebody is starting to feel like that from either side of the relationship? Yeah, I would definitely tune into that feeling and really listen to that and really, um, really explore that because I think it can be really easy to, uh, with somebody who's not well or who's going through a tough time, to really focus all of your energy on that and then kind of let go of everything else and not really realize it like we were talking about before with those blinders on, just really focusing on that. Um, and so recognizing that, and if you're not recognizing that, if somebody else in your life can tell you that that's going on, you know, just to be aware of, I think awareness is the first piece of that. And then figuring out in your life how to best support how to go about changing that, you know, would be really powerful, whether that's looking at your calendar and figuring out how it's going to work or getting extra help, you know, through whatever resources that are provided or that are available, you know, and sometimes those resources right now aren't really that available, but this will hopefully end. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> it's, it's so interesting. I do hear people say, well, you know, I don't have a choice. Um, I have to do what I'm doing. Um, but and caring and nurturing the relationship can kind of be put on hold. But I equate that a little bit to, do you have a choice as to whether or not to get gas in your car? <laughs> no, right. you know, if you keep, if you keep driving on an empty tank of gas, you're going to run out of gas. Your relationship mm -hmm. is going to, if you keep going without tending to it, your relationship's going to run out of gas or you are, are physically going to run out of gas. But the, the flip side or, Something else that I think is happening right now with the coronavirus, because so many people cannot go visit their loved one, cannot, you know, everybody's isolating, so you may not be able to take them to appointments, go, 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 go. You can't go see them if they're in facilities. I think some of this is a wake-up call and a realization that do we have to do everything we thought we had to do two months ago? You know, maybe there were actually things we could weed out and they are still getting the love, the care and the nurturing that they need. Maybe not. Maybe you want to ramp it back up. But do you have to ramp it back up to 100% if it's sacrificing other people's relationships that you have with them? Right. I mean, you know, my experience with that is do we want our kids to be in multiple sports or not? You know, I mean, it's a, it's a, a huge thing these days to have your kids in all of the things and to be mm -hmm. busy every night. And that is something that I don't, don't do. And I choose not to, you get one sport and you both get the same sport because you're twins and you're boys. And that's the way that it goes right now. <laughs> when it's you're older, yes, when you're older, maybe you can each get a sport. We'll see. Um, we'll see how it goes. But you know, there's, there is a piece of that that you can start to scale back and say, uh, are we overbooked here? Are, mm -hmm. Is this really affecting, for me, I can't go be taking people, <laughs> I can't be the chauffeur, you know, I can't be doing that all of the time. It just, my, I only have so much energy to give a day, you know, and so I know that about myself, but I also know it for them too. They can't, they can't do all of that and be okay, you know? Um, yeah. 
so it's kind of it's kind of that too and um yeah it, it makes me wonder um when again there will be no going back to our old normal there will just be a new there's a crisis normal that we're all dealing with and then there's going to be a new normal once the crisis is over and i'm really wondering how our culture will shift and what priorities will will subtly change you know somebody said are we still going to be shaking hands with one another are we are we going to be appreciating uh any kind of toilet paper that we can get you know? <laughs> are we going to be um more mindful of of getting outside and going on walks with our families and because i'm living right up the street from a, a little baseball field and of course it was this time of year through the fall it's just one um it's it's a private it's not like a school or anything so it's just one league after another and it's kind of fun, you know, you hear the families and everybody's having fun down there, a little baseball. But it's everything from, like, your your young kids on up to probably about middle school kids that are in these leagues. And I'm wondering how important is that? How important, like you said, are these sports and all these extracurriculars when now I'm going down there and I'm walking and it's like maybe a family that's down there together that's trying to blow off some steam and they're playing together. It's like does will that family start to value that more than the really structured little um you know baseball or league or sports league it's it, it, because now everybody's exploring homeschooling and, <laughs> and 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 so many caregivers i love that we're talking about this end of caregiving so many caregivers are in the sandwich generation where you're tending to mom and dad's needs or, you know, aunt and uncle or whoever, or even a husband or a wife, um, you know, early onset. And you've got, you've got kids that you're still trying, they're still growing up or they're still adulting or grandkids. And you're seeing the impact of, of life happening on, on both ends of the spectrum. But yeah, the overscheduling from the kids, I'm sure also overscheduling from a caregiver's perspective. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, um, I was thinking if, if, if there is kind of a piece of caregiving parents, just thinking about how much they can do on their own, how sometimes it's easy to be, say, no, you're not well, or things are not going well for you, so you're not independent, you know. Mm -hmm. But how, any person wants as much independence as they possibly can have. And so I think we can forget that, you know. I, I think we forget that about our kids and we forget that about our parents, you know, when, they, when they're going through things. So what, what can they do that is, you know, that gives them some independence um, in a safe way? <laughs> right. That is such a good point. I'm glad you bring that up. Um, absolutely. That, like, do, do we have to fix, 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 fix? Do we have to... Schedule, 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 schedule. I'm even thinking that sometimes our every appointment that you take your parents to or your loved one to is every appointment necessary. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you would have to think about that. Like, is it necessary to go go to every single thing, or is it necessary to sign up for every single thing? And uh, no, <laughs> probably. Right. Now, know? I think that we're in a moment in time where we're finally giving ourselves permission to ask that. Is this yeah. really that important? Yeah, yeah. 
You know, something I've noticed in the past four weeks is that, especially the past two since we've been trying to do some homeschooling the past two weeks, is that there's a bit of a flow that doesn't necessarily exist and it hasn't existed up until now uh, in my family. And I think we're at a place where my twin boys are 10 now. And so they're a little bit easier just to have at home. They're just, it's just a lot. It's actually a lot easier than it was when they were really little. It was really challenging. Um, But there's this flow that we're having to our day that just doesn't exist otherwise. And it was not existing with school at all. And, there's a piece of me that really likes it a lot. You know, I really like this beautiful flow that we have and we're not really irritating each other. We're not getting mm. on each other's nerves very much. Maybe a little bit, <laughs> but the boys aren't fighting as much as they were when they were in school. So it, that shows me a lot, you know, and not, I don't know if we'll be giving up school for the, doing homeschooling or not, (laughs) Um, but it's fun to see that and to recognize that, you know, and if I was in a place where I was just focusing only on stress and focusing only on anxiety and focusing on all of the things that I could focus on, I wouldn't see that. I wouldn't appreciate that. I love that because I think we all collectively are in a place that if we can stop the panic and the fear, and we can just learn and observe what life is teaching us right now, and we could see how the flow of our lives may look and feel different and better, and what what we can hang on to from this time. We can't hang on to all of it because we will get back into you know the rhythm of an active world and an active life. But how beautiful is it that we can discover a more natural flow? Of, um, of of just being human, you know, of our yeah. our bodies and our worlds and our yeah, it, it's it's there is nothing is all good and all bad, right? And right. it's neat to see what unexpected goodness is coming out of this too. I know, and I have been thinking about that a lot too. It's just the. Um, you know, the, just the slowing down has been really good for me personally. And, uh, the opportunity to, to set some boundaries with things just because there's, there's a boundary with it, you know, it's been really powerful. Yeah. Wow. This has been awesome, Catherine. I think you have really added a lot of value, you know, with people uh, to slow down, to look at things, to observe the flow, to really focus on self-care so they can be in the right mindset, to then tune in to, you know, the needs of the people that they love around them. And I love your self, um, self-love self challenge. And so, Hopefully, we can get this um, off, you know, all bundled up and out into the world. But anybody who's coming in to this podcast and hearing this, check out Catherine at CatherinePfeiffer.com. I'll have that link in my um, show notes um, and, and on the website. And they can go learn more about you because even if it's, However long, it, um, if they wanted to even just message you or get on maybe your social media and ask you about the um, 
your your challenge, your self care challenge, then I'm sure you would help them out, no matter if they they jump in the sun. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, I would totally do that. <laughs> yes, and everyone, check out the Happy Love Project podcast that Catherine does. Yes. It's fantastic, and you might hear a yeah. familiar voice at one point. <laughs> yes, yes. Hopefully, very soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we'll 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 co debut together. Yes, that would be fun. <laughs> uh, but I've I've really enjoyed one just getting to know you um, as a friend. Um, you've inspired me, and um, I love 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 the Happy Love Project. So I want Thank everybody you. to check it out because caregiving is is not just one thing. You know, um, taking care of ourselves is a huge part of that. So. Thank you, Catherine. Any any last thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with? Ah, just just the thought of just continue to come back to yourself and, and come back to your just ways that you can ground into yourself, I think will be really powerful. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This has been yeah. fun. And we're all in this together. And thanks for the amazing tips and yes. advice. Yes, we are. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Catherine. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast. If you find this podcast helpful, please leave a review so we can reach more women like you. You are not alone on your journey and the Fire Tribe is here to support you. Check us out at DaughtersOnFire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. Until next time, remember, you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.